Hello. Hello. Is this Sam Precop from the band The Scene Cake? Yeah. Hi, Sam. This is uh, Brendan and Rico from the Dinner Party Download. Hello. Hi, Brendan and Rico. <laughs> thanks for including me in your hello. And thanks for agreeing to chat with us. Um, I, I assume Jamie gave you some background on why we're calling. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Okay. I, I admit I haven't heard your show. That is all right. That's actually better. All right. Because we're approaching our 100th episode. In fact, this is our 100th episode. Yeah. So we thought it was high time that we reached out to you guys because, um, well, you know the song, The Argument? I do know that song, yeah. <laughs> you know the one that you had a hand in writing? Yeah. Um, don't you think that song would be like a really great um, intro song to something? It would be. Yeah. So we made this podcast. And, and, and we kind of used The Argument as our theme song. And and it really starts off the show with some great energy. It's the it's possibly the greatest song ever written. <clears throat> but um, we've never had an opportunity to ask you guys if it was okay. Yeah. So maybe it, maybe we could do is, that now. Yeah. Is it okay if we use it? Sure, it's fine. Oh, really? <sighs> Thanks. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly thought that you might say no, and it was like we're never going to find a song that works that well. So thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much. That's kind of what what we had to ask. I, my conscience feels better now. Yeah. Okay. Good. I feel lighter. <laughs> Excellent. Do you feel better? I feel great. <laughs> and maybe you should actually listen to the show. You might like it. It has a great theme song. Okay. Yeah. I'll check it out. <laughs> I'm Rico Galliano. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan, and this is the 100th episode of the Dinner Party Download, the show that helps you win this weekend's dinner party. You just heard us sheepishly speaking with, yes, Sam Precop from the CNK. Can't get a word in edgewise with that guy. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's really, really verbaceous. Nah. Uh, they wrote the snazzy song you're hearing now, and their new album is called The Moonlight Butterfly. And later in this show, we'll be hearing from you. Last week, we asked you to tell us your dream dinner party guests. And you responded. Mark Twain. David Lynch. Nicki Minaj. Gandhi. Harry Potter. And Jesus. That's quite a party, it sounds like. <laughs> you know that Jesus will bring plenty of wine. Yeah. Also coming up, I get the chat with one of my dream dinner party guests, celebrated musician Randy Newman. Yes, plus the history of us, Dr. Dog's racing heart, and I eat a hundred-year-old egg. But first, as at any dinner party, we start with small talk. <laughs> All week long, you've been hearing this. Wienergate, Twittergate. The demonstrations go on in Yemen. The second largest fire in Arizona history. It's already burned 500 square miles. Now for something you haven't heard. We are speaking with Jessica Cohen. She is editor-in-chief of the women's culture website Jezebel.com. Jessica, what story are you going to be talking about at dinner parties this week? I'm going to be talking about William and Kate, uh, Duchess Catherine, I believe. Uh, that's right. uh, they have begrudgingly put up a help wanted sign because they're ready to have servants. They weren't going to have servants, is that right? They, the, the poor things were trying to go it alone. Well, th- this kind of <laughs> makes sense because if they don't hire workers, there'll be no taxes to pay them to not do work. That's a very good point. Yeah. But they, they're, they're looking for a butler and a chauffeur and a dresser, which I believe is their version of a stylist. So what made them finally give in, do you think? I think it was this weekend William had to go to two events back to back. <sighs> I know, is they work so hard, two events. <laughs> and I guess everything just went to all hell. So now he needs help. 
These are newlyweds. I know. I was thinking more newlyweds, like for normal newlyweds, like this Sunday chore day. But if you have a house with 25 bathrooms, right. yeah. you're talking like a two-week chore day. Well, they're, they're moving into Kensington Palace for when they are actually in London. See? And that's where the staff will be. Most of the time, they're out in Wales, and they are actually handling their own uh, dishwashing out there. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. Their hands. What must become of them? They're, they're practically commoners. <laughs> Jessica Cohen. Thanks for giving us some small talk for this, our 100th episode. What do you think of that, eh? Happy 100th birthday. <laughs> I will say that out of the many people who I've never actually met in person, <laughs> you two are my favorite. Oh. Right. We should note that you are. we typically talk to you in a studio far away, but you sound like a beautiful person. Oh, I am. Don't get sappy. Um, well, we're going to reward you by uh, sending you an invite to donate money to public radio. So thanks, Jessica. <laughs> Thank you. You're on the list. At the tone, please record your message. My name is Robbie Ryan. I'm a filmmaker and musician from McKinney, Texas. For my dream dinner party guest, I would love to have Quincy Jones over. He's got so much funk and so much soul, but it's so pop. I'm just like, wow. Another dinner party guest would be Maximilian, uh, who was a robot, a big, red, scary, sports car-looking robot from the Disney movie The Black Hole from 1979. This guy could fly, and he had, like, razors and, like, little helicopter blades for his hands. Pretty awesome. And I don't know if Maximilian the robot would actually eat Quincy Jones, and that's what makes the dinner party that much more exciting. And now, time for cocktails. Once again, we tell you something that happened in history, then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's like history is a lifeguard on a TV show called Booze Watch. It's one of the most watched shows. So you're saying history is David Hasselhoff? Is that what you're saying? Pamela Lee. That seems weird. First, the history. A hundred episodes ago this week, two public radio dudes with five names between them started their own podcast. That would be us. Indeed. Now, some folks at your dinner party probably think a podcast is something you put on a pea plant that's been injured. I'll give you guys a second to think about that. (laughs) But of course, you know it's a delivery system for our humble, awesome show. Our friend Michelle Philippi is here with the story of us. The radio revolution started on opposite ends of Pennsylvania. The year was 1980-something, and in Philadelphia, a young Brendan Francis Newnham watched his beloved pet dachshund, Doxy, choke on a cupcake, drowning his sorrows in Shirley Temples while studying for a history test on Shirley Temple. Brendan vowed somehow, some way, to let the world know the evils of that demon dessert. Meanwhile, across the state in Pittsburgh, a young Rico Galliano finished memorizing the entire Empire Strikes Back screenplay. He asked his pal, Jeff Grimm, if he'd like to hear it recited, to which Jeff replied, that's the question I'm most tired of being asked. Now let me tell you something you don't know. You're a loser. 20 years later, Rico and Brendan met during a story meeting at Public Radio's Marketplace. Brendan pitched an investigative series on naps. Rico suggested a think piece on why Jean-Luc Picard would make a good Federal Reserve chairman. The Marketplace editors couldn't hear a word because indie rock music seemed to play every time Brendan and Rico spoke. So the two men decided to make their own show. The Dinner Party Download launched in 2008 and quickly changed everything on Earth. 
bankers were so engrossed in the show, the global economy collapsed. A similarly distracted Sarah Palin seemed unable to put together coherent sentences, and Steve Jobs upgraded the iPhone so people could download episodes faster. Every once in a while, a revolutionary product comes along that changes everything. And today... It's the dinner party download. Are you getting it? Today, of course, cupcakes are illegal. Brendan is renowned for genetically engineering a breed of unkillable dachshunds. And Rico owns George Lucas. So that was the not altogether true history. And (laughs) now for the drink to serve along with it, we turn to one of our favorite bartenders in the world, Daniel Hyatt. He's up in San Francisco, California at Alembic. He's the most reoccurring character we've had in our bartender segment. The word character seems a little strong for me. <laughs> there you go. Case in point, everybody. Exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, you've been listening to us for a while and dealing with our antics. What cocktail has the Dinner Party Download inspired you to make? Should we be afraid? You should be afraid. This one's, this one's a good one. You mentioned that you hated cupcakes. That is one true thing in the history. We are not fans of cupcakes, Brendan especially. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. How do you feel about Twinkies? Well, I, I think that I actually kind of like the Twinkie. It's kind of a classic. Yeah. Exactly. So, so what we're going to do for this cocktail is uh, we're going to use a Twinkie. Uh, <laughs> all right. Sounds great already. Uh, so we're, we're, we're going to take a bowl and we're going to put a Twinkie in it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> is that it? Are we done? <laughs> now we're going to soak that Twinkie in Angostura bitters. Mm. Just douse the hell out of it. You douse it with bitters? Yeah, we're just going to douse the Twinkie with bitters. That's a lot of bitters. Wait, are they allowed to sell Twinkies in San Francisco, Daniel? <laughs> Do you have to it, get well, I thought I, it was contraband. No, <laughs> they're, they're allowed to. It's, it's frowned upon. Okay. Oh, interesting. So we're going to douse the Twinkie in bitters. Right. And then we're going to add about six ounces of bourbon. Does this serve two at least? Well, it's it's it should serve more than two. <laughs> okay, good. We're gonna we're gonna put the put put the bourbon on there, and then we're gonna twist a generous peel of lemon uh-huh. over the top. All right. And you can put a candle in if you like, but it's essentially oh. an old fashioned. Oh, it's like an old fashioned in a bowl dessert style. Yeah, so you're making the Twinkies doing the sugar component of an old fashioned. Exactly. It's a, it's a bourbon old fashioned with a Twinkie. Well, you know, I was thinking we were gonna get some classy drink that people could order. I no. wasn't. <laughs> I, didn't th- I didn't think that for a second. No such luck. <laughs> you, you don't think that's classy? <laughs> <laughs> so wait, what are we going to call the cocktail? Just call it the old-fashioned download. All right, we'll All take right. that. We'll take the old-fashioned download. We are old-fashioned now, officially. Old-fashioned for our time. So any serving suggestions? Well, you serve it with a spoon, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can serve it on our own petard, which you've just hoisted us upon. Yeah. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Hyatt, the most frequent guest on our show in his last appearance on our show. My name is Eric Thorne. I live in Santa Cruz, California. I would like to invite Alton Brown, Melinda Gates, Isaac Asimov, Nikola Tesla, and Leon Panetta. Hello, my name is Vanessa McDaniel. Um, I listen to the Dinner Party Download every week. If I had to narrow it down to two people, I would pick my favorite writer, John Steinbeck, because I want to absorb his love of humanity. And the other would be Werner Herzog, because I just want to listen to him tell crazy Teutonic stories that don't make any sense. My name is Wendy Belton-Brown. I'm from Richmond, Virginia. I would invite Harry Potter and Jesus. 
I know that's kind of a strange mix, but I think they'd end up being pretty good friends. Our guest of honor this week is celebrated musician Randy Newman. He has a new album out called Songbook Volume 2. In it, he does solo piano renditions of some of his earlier works. Here's a clip from his song, Dixie Flyer. I was born right here November 43 My dad was a captain in the army Fighting the Germans in Sicily My poor little mama Didn't know a soul in L.A. Made a getaway. Got on the Dixie Flyer. Bound for New Orleans. Across the state of Texas to the land of dreams. Randy, first of all, my name is Brendan Francis Noonan. Yeah, Noonan. Do people ever confuse your name with mine when you're making a restaurant reservation? Uh, they do lately. I, you must be coming to some <laughs> kind of prominence. Yeah, I, I apologize for that. I'm sorry. Ah, uh, it's all right. I just go with it. If they say Noonan, I'm I'm happy to do it. <laughs> well, you've got a new album out uh, mm-hmm. called Songbook, Volume 2. I do. Uh, the album is kind of a retrospective. Yep. And what I find interesting about your career is that you've not only met with major commercial success and won Academy Awards, etc., but you also are considered kind of a cult favorite. And, like, even now, young tastemakers are, like, really into your stuff. I mean, do you know that? Is that true? It's I mean, true, is, man. Uh, something's happening. There are, like, different people at the concerts. Oh, yeah. Uh, I asked my girlfriend this morning, I'm like, what should I ask Randy Newman? She said, why is he so cool? That was her That was her response. She's a pretty hip young lady. Hmm. So, this is the new girlfriend, huh? <laughs> no, we've, we've been together for a little bit. Oh. But I'm just well, saying. I, I, I like her. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. But seriously, even though you've had mainstream success, uh, you've always been kind of a songwriter, songwriter, and cult fave. You know, what are your thoughts on that role? I, I was snobbish enough maybe to want that. Like, I like it that the when I won the Academy Award that time that the, the pit orchestra, the studio guys playing the show, stood up. That really got to me. Yeah. And I always wanted people who I thought knew something about music to like what I did. And that sort of happened. Sometimes you get what you want. And then what do you do? Yeah, that's right. And then what do you do? (laughs) After it proves to be really disappointing. (laughs) Well, it's like Quincy Jones once said, famous people are always thinking two thoughts. One, I deserve this, and the other, I don't deserve this at all. They're going to find me out, yeah. (laughs) Well, They are. And people you'd think would be secure in their fame or their skills, they're just not. I mean, I've read interviews with myself where it really, it's like a fourth grader begging for, you know, oh, I, this painting's no good. Oh, that's no good. This is no good. But I really mean it. I mean, I, uh, but it doesn't sound very believable. And part of the reason it's unbelievable is because you've always kind of swam against the tide. Uh, you know, you, you hung around rockers in the 70s like the Eagles, etc. Yeah, yeah. Yet you wore big glasses and a corduroy jacket. Uh, you rode in an old school piano style. You never picked up a guitar. Where do you think you got that confidence to maintain your kind of singular voice? I picked up a guitar till the F chord hurt my finger. <laughs> <laughs> it's really as far as I got it. And mess with me. your piano hand. Yeah. You know, the honest truth is I, I didn't notice. There's a bunch of things that I don't notice much. I think I care about very few things. And one of them is being good at what I do. 
writing music and, and cosmetics. I mean, I always, you know, album covers. Uh, I mean, I, I look like an insurance man in the first album cover. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking of. But now don't pe- show your don't show your girlfriend that. <laughs> but now people dress like you. They rock those big glasses and that cord jacket. You know. Yeah, believe me, it's inadvertent. If you I mean, stick around know. long enough, maybe that's how it is. <laughs> if only Gershwin had lived. <laughs> All right. Well, look, we have two standard questions that we ask in our show. Yeah. And the first question is, what question are you tired of being asked? Interviewers often ask, could you still talk about short people? I know you've had a million questions about that and all that. Uh, that question. I don't mind answering questions about short people, but yeah. that, that sort of uh, caveat. It's the meta question. Yeah. And by the way, for the two people in the world who don't know, uh, Short People is a satirical song you wrote, which was widely misinterpreted as an attack on Mm. short people. Yeah. Um, Okay, our second question is, tell us something about Mm -hmm. you that we don't know. Uh, The first thing I thought of was, people always think I'm kind of nerdly and can't do anything Mm. uh, physical. Presumably that's from watching me eat. (laughs) But I mean, I I was a uh, good athlete. Uh huh. But so what, you know? You were a good athlete. Like, what did you play? I played basketball, uh, baseball, and football. When did you have like time th- to practice piano? If you were, I didn't. I, that's the. Uh oh, I'm complaining again. No, no, bring it on. I didn't. I shot <laughs> baskets. <laughs> so you were you were trying out for the Lakers, or, or that was your dream? Oh, no, it was just fun for me. And uh, uh, I wasn't that good. What was music for you then? It was a job. Always? It was, yes. It was work, and I always thought I wasn't working hard enough. I'd done very well, though. You know, I mean, I I I, I shouldn't keep bringing this up. I mean, mean, it would be a good idea for me to be a little less negative, you know? Yeah. Imagine what it's like living with me for my wife and my girlfriends. (laughs) Oh, whoops. (laughs) Um, I don't think anyone wants to hear an album of Happy Songs by Randy Newman, though. Oh, laugh and be happy, don't you ever wear a frown Don't let the bastards grind you down Laugh and be happy, it's a simple thing to do Leaving your dream and your dream will come true for you To be a red sunshine in a sky so blue Blackbirds singing in a tree To be a real silver lining up there for me and you Listen to me My name is Ellen Cooper Davis. I'm a Unitarian Universalist minister in the Woodlands, Texas. My epic dinner party would include David Lynch, the filmmaker, and Jonathan Franzen, the author. I'm not sure how well they'd get along, but I'd have a really good time. My name is Nissa Greenberg. I live in Brooklyn. Unfortunately, I've thought obsessively about this for years. Uh, So this year is Kanye West. Dorothy Parker, Woody Allen, Kristen Shaw, Larry David, me, I'm important, uh, Richard Pryor, Ira Glass, Nicki Minaj, Vonnegut, Kurt Vonnegut, I don't know who else is Vonnegut, uh, Voltaire, and finally, uh, Harpo Marx. So we've met our guest of honor and heard your guest of honor, and now time for the main course, the part of the show where we talk about food. So Brendan... You remember the meeting when we came up with this segment? Oh, like it was three days ago. We were like, (laughs) what food thing should Rico talk about for our 100th anniversary? Yeah, and I was like, you know, I saw this thing called a 100-year-old egg on a Chinese restaurant menu. Right, and I was all perfect until I did some research. That's right, it is an unusual dish. Yeah, 
Basically, for our hundredth episode, you got to talk to one of your musical heroes, <laughs> while I agreed to eat an egg with a flavor that has been described as sulfuric and ammonia-like, and which looks—it it looks like a rotten egg. Yeah. All right. I didn't plan it that way. I'm sure you didn't, but because I believe in your concept. <laughs> yeah. And also because I was intrigued. You know, this is considered a Chinese delicacy. Uh huh. I went to the Empress Pavilion Restaurant in LA's Chinatown to sample a hundred-year-old egg with Carl Chu. He is author of the book Chinese Food Finder. That's a local dining guide. And I started with the obvious question: Why is it called a hundred-year-old egg? It is not actually a hundred years old, obviously, or it would probably be inedible. Kind of interesting to have a to have an egg that's a hundred years old. Yeah. But no, it's basically a pickled egg that's been made in about a month's time, pickled in an alkaline brine made of salt, wood ash, and some tea. There's an urban legend that these hundred-year-old eggs were originally made by soaking in horse urine. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I don't want to believe that it was true. Me neither. <laughs> so、um, there's there's a more palatable version of the story that、um, a duck farmer four or five hundred years ago accidentally left a bunch of eggs in in a pile of wood,、uh, of ash, and discovered months later that they became this fossilized egg. And when he broke them open, it looked like it's been、uh, sitting around for the last hundred years. And so he said, "I'll eat that." So he tasted it, I guess, and liked it. I have to tell you that the the idea of eating basically a fossilized egg to my Western palate that doesn't sound like it's going to be all、oh, that great. Handle it. <laughs> All right, so here we are in the in the restaurant. We just ordered, and I'm not entirely sure what we just ordered. I think we're gonna get a congee, which is rice porridge, with、um, minced hundred year old eggs with minced pork. It's a standard dish for breakfast, and I think we're getting a, another cold dish, kind of like a salad of these eggs paired with pickled ginger. We'll see how that goes. I've never had that before. Yeah, it seems like I mean, for whatever reason, I was kind of hoping that I'd have this in a heated dish. I don't know. Cold. It just seems like it's going to be more of a challenge. I think you might find it surprisingly good. You know, and I also have to say, I mean, I'm acting like this is some sort of you know disgusting thing, but it's no worse than the tube of pickled eggs that you see at you know a thousand bars in America either. I tend to think that these are much much better than that. I'm sorry.、Uh, what is your name? Ah,、uh, Davy. Davy, and you work for Empress Pavilion. Yes. This is a、uh, warm a、uh, thousand years egg. Okay, so this is the warm egg here. This is cooked thousand years. Oh egg. I have to ask you. I've heard it referred to as a hundred-year-old egg and a thousand-year-old egg, which is correct. Well, depends how old you are. Well, this is for our hundredth episode, so I, if it's not called a hundred-year-old egg, then I don't need to eat it. Is what I'm saying. There were too many names. Okay, thousand years old egg or a hundred years old egg. I like to say that because I'm not that old. <laughs> Make me younger. <laughs>、um, oh wow! I'm starting to smell it. I was told it would be kind of ammonia-y, but it is kind of—it smells almost vinegary to me. Yes, and this is a vinegar, the dipping, and some people they like to dip with the just sugar only. Sugar. Yes. Oh, I see. This—it's powdered sugar over there. All right. So which which one should I try first here? You want to try the congee first? It's warm. I feel like I should maybe try the egg by itself first. I don't know why. I feel like it's like diving into the cold pool. It looks just like Jello, doesn't it? It's been quartered. And it's it's really it looks black. Although I can tell that that's mainly coming from the yolk. The white. You see how is, the whites have turned into some kind of a like a cola brown color. It's still clear, so you can see right through it. All right, I'm gonna try this. The center is a little more like a custard. Hold on. Hmm. You see, it's not so bad. It isn't, but I definitely see the ammonia-y part of it. 
In the mouth, it tastes like pudding, but in the nose, it's like I'm inhaling ammonia. But it's not overpowering. No. I'm rather proud of myself right now. <laughs> I think you made it. Hold on. I'm going to take one more bite of the warm egg this time. I'm going to dip. Now I'm just clipping along. Now that I'm not afraid anymore, I'm just going to like inhale your entire restaurant. And I'm sorry about that in advance. <laughs> you can come anytime. We can uh, cook some uh, stranger food for you. Brendan, I have to say there are videos online really? you can see of people trying this egg and supposedly getting sick. Okay. It is all hype. There's nothing to fear. All right, glad to hear it. So you live to tell the tale. You learned something. That is what, thank you. <laughs> that said, next week I'm going to interview Carla Bruni. Uh-huh. And I was thinking you could paraglide into an active volcano. <laughs> Does that sound nice? Uh, yeah. You mean I'm interviewing Nicholas Sarkozy. <laughs> all right. Bring it. And that concludes our Century episode. We'd like to thank Jackson Musker, Peter Clowney, Ellen Gettler, Judy McAlpin, Ravi Carmen, Charlton Thorpe, Brendan Willard. Also, J.J. Yore, Bill Davis, Madeline Brand, Michelle Philippi, Stacey Vanek-Smith, Chrissy Clark, Eve Tro, and everyone at Marketplace. And now we leave you with One for the Road, a song to listen to on your way to or returning from this weekend's dinner party. And this week, we're going to go all the way back to our very first episode. I can barely remember. (laughs) We called it our song of the week then, and it's still an awesome summer jam. This is Dr. Dog covering a song from the band Architecture in Helsinki. The tune is Heart It Races. Bon Appetennial. And we're slow to acknowledge the knots in our laces. Heart It Races. And we go back to where we moved out to the places All it races I bought it in a can Stirred it with
The Splendid Table, insightful and useful conversation every single week for your life in and out of the kitchen. Speaking of useful, this week Lynn talks to superstar chef Daniel Ballou in his kitchen about how he makes that garlicky mayonnaise aioli. I am putting one clove of raw garlic who uh, split and remove the germ as now, well. Now why are you taking the germ out? Oh, because that one time, you know, I worked in France for a chef called, I didn't work with him directly, but I heard his comment, then the germ of garlic was giving a very vulgar taste to the dish. <laughs> it would never have occurred to me that a dish could be vulgar. That's this week on The Splendid Table. Subscribe at iTunes or via your favorite podcast app.